to Koshian Cast, the podcast that's like the training camp from hell, but it's a podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me today is a very special guest, Matt. Hello. So what did you what did you think, Matt? Uh, I was not impressed with the hype there, man. I I feel like, you know, we're a podcast, and the training camp from hell is a sports anime trope. So if you put them together, that's that's humor. That is absolutely a thing, um, and it did not work. So this is week twelve of the uh, winter <laughs> anime season. Is it week twelve or week th- week week? 12? We are week twelve, buddy. Uh, and we're going to be covering all sports anime that aired from March twenty sixth to April first. Uh, of course, we're down to only uh, three anime that are still that still aired new episodes this week, uh, which is a uh, Yaomushi Petal, All Out, and Tiger Mask W. Um, yes. So as such, it's going to be a little bit of a shorter episode than usual. But don't worry, we'll make up for it with our blather by releasing a second episode uh, at the same time. So you should probably see it pop up in your feed. Right. Um, we're going to be doing a season preview of what we're going to be covering for uh, the spring season um, as well as a mid-season review of Yomushi Petal and Tiger Mask W since they will be continuing into the next season. Yes, that is correct. Uh, th- like he was saying, that those will be released around the same time. Also because we had All Out uh, and this week uh, we will be releasing a review for it mm, shortly. Uh, we will uh, we'll kind of figure out the the timetable for that. Right. So we've we've have uh, all out and Manami Kamakura, as well as TQ that right. wrapped this season. Um, so we're going to be doing series reviews for all of those, and we don't want to sort of overwhelm anybody's queue. Right. So we're just going to re- release one each week. Uh, so in addition to our normal episode, we'll release one review episode for this past season right. each week. So expect those on Fridays. Um, and beyond that, uh, I think we're good to jump into uh, this week in anime. Yep, that's correct. Uh, I'll just jump right into Yawamushi Petal. All right. All right. So this week we have the inter-high prelims beginning. Uh, Kaburagi's a little nervous because he doesn't have his Donchiku with him. Uh, and then uh, there's this whole starting section. Uh, basically they begin. Uh, Teshima allows Kaburagi to be the ace of the team because I guess that's how aces work in this universe. Uh and uh, Donchiku or Kaburagi immediately gets a flat tire. And the rest of Sohoku stays behind to ride with him. And even though they om- uh, they are almost lapped and kicked out of the inner high, uh, they manage to catch up thanks to a special technique by Aoyagi. He is basically copied Tadakoro's uh, bullet train by taking by inhaling mass amounts of air. Uh, then the second half of the episode, it's a it's a bit more winding down. Uh, we find out that Anoda. Oh, they end up winning the inter, the uh, the inner high prelims. By the way, I should mention that. Uh, and then second half of the episode, it's kind of based around uh, Anoda, basically setting up the other two major teams of the inner high, which are of course Kyoto Fumushina uh, or Fushima, sorry, 
and uh, Hakone, Anoda uh, rides desperately to Akiba after getting a call from Minami about how, like, they're in Akiba. Anoda misses him, but he leaves behind his water bottle so he can return it to him once again at the Interhigh. And then Kyoto Fumish uh, Fushima uh, has a special masseuse who can read the muscles by feeling them, like of anybody he massages. And yeah. that gives him very special insight as to what they can do. Right. And that's kind of where the episode leaves off, I guess, outside of, Hak of Hakone basically trying to do, like, basically talk themselves up to some interviewers. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, my general thought this episode was that the first half was almost good. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, it, like, it, it wasn't quite there. Uh, but you do kind of feel around the same lines. Uh... Well, I didn't actually... I don't know. At, at this point, it's hard for me to figure out with Yalpeta... Whether it's not good or if I've just <laughs> been too frustrated by the season so far that I'm right. expecting it not to be good. I think I understand what you're saying here. Like, is it is it that we... Because it was the series that got us back into sports anime, are our expectations for the series so high that we're just not letting ourselves enjoy it? Yeah, we're not letting it be what it is. You right. know, maybe it was maybe it was never as cool as we remember it being, even though it wasn't <laughs> that long ago. Right. I mean, we want. I mean, that was about a couple years ago. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, like, I don't know. There were always kind of the weird plots by Kinjo as captain to uh, kind of you know inspire his team in sort of weird levels. I don't know though. The, it never felt as convoluted as what Teshima did this episode by letting uh, Kaburagi be the ace. Well, right, uh, so the the issue is ultimately Teshima frames this whole thing as a plan for him to teach Kaburagi the, the meaning of working as a team. Right. Um, so what he does is when Kaburagi decides to sprint off by himself and win the race without any help from anyone because that's what a real ace does. Um, yeah. He gets a flat tire and he gets passed by everyone and finally Sohoku catches up with him and he's like, oh, don't worry about me. Leave me behind. You need to win or else we won't go to the inner high. And they're like, no, no, we'll wait here. And whenever we get your tire, we'll win anyway. Because that's what teams do. Right. And first off, I think that's just deeply unrealistic. <laughs> there are lots of things that are unrealistic about Yo Peta, but it's also just not true to the characters. Um, yeah, they bring up the example of Anoda going back and stopping during the inner high, but that was one character. That wasn't right. the, the entire team didn't stop. One person stopped in order to get the team back together, which is reasonable in the moment. Um, there's no argument for having the entire team stop. Uh, the only way it's justified is that Teshima, in his infinite captain wisdom, can <laughs> completely understand all of the odds of all his opponents, and he knows exactly how fast they're going to go and exactly what pace they'll be, so he knows that they can just stop and wait 
Um, right. Because he knows exactly how good they are, apparently. Um, and so that, that's a little too omniscient for me to take right. seriously. Uh, yeah, and I do understand that. Um, I'm going to defend two points there. Uh, first of all, I am going to defend the fact that Teshima just let Kaburagi, like, run out into the front, you know, because he's the ace and that's what he needs to do. Uh, maybe that's not what the ace actually does, but if Teshima's plan was to kind of bring Kaburagi down a notch, I can see why he would say, okay, you go ahead and do that, because he would need to see why, because he needs to kind of break his mentality that that's the right, you know, that's what the ace does, is just the one who constantly wins. Well, yeah, I guess, and and it was never said out loud because Teshima can never admit to making a mistake or misinterpreting what's right. going to happen. But I assume if he were allowed to be honest, he would just assume that, oh, well, he can't actually stay in front by himself the entire race. Right. So, like, you have to wonder um, if there was, like, some... Like, if, like, we just missed out on some entirely other convoluted plan that Teshima had because of the fact that he had a flat tire. Mm-hmm. Like, would we have gotten, like, an entirely different plot here if Kagburagi had just remained out in front and Teshima had some entire, had some completely separate scheme? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that's kind of the weird thing about this episode, is that there's no real implication that Teshima actually, like, like... Oh shoot! Well, my the, my my original plan's not working, but I uh, gotta gotta wing it now. Yeah, exactly. I, no, he's just calm and confident, and then he throws his water bottle back at the guy behind him, right? In order to make him so angry that it destroys the unity of the pack. <laughs> you know, like that. Uh, what if it didn't? Would they have lost? No. Then why include it? Uh, right. Because they end up catching up by the ninth lap and all getting first through sixth place like they always do. Um, what do, um, what do you what do you think about the difference between the pre the prelims for this season and from the first season? Because in the first season they just had the third years ride it as a three person team, so they didn't even have other members. Um, whereas now they felt the need to to bring Kaburagi. So, the funny thing was, I was actually, like, as I was watching this episode, I was actually trying to remind myself, did we actually see the prelims last season? Because it's been a while. It's been a few years since I've watched uh, Yawapeda, so I actually uh, didn't actually remember that. Um, uh, but I guess what I was, what I kind of took this as was because the prelims, I guess, in that regard, have always been used as sort of the hype moment for the team. Like, this is supposed to be the moment where Sohoku makes its big mark. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that's why I was actually relatively okay with this otherwise, beyond the completely bizarre and, like, just not well thought out plan by Teshima, mm-hmm. is that at the very least, what it does do is it does, it pretty well establishes Sohoku as be, you know, there's been a lot of talk, you know, throughout the entirety of the season, like, oh, you know, is Sohoku going to be, are they just going to be like the one-time champs? Are they really going to be like that dangerous? Or like, you know, it's because, you know, their major players have left this year, you know, are they going to be able to carry that on? And I guess what I liked about this episode is that it did a great job with conveying like, okay, this team is like, no, they are the real deal still. 
Yeah. Now they, like you mentioned before, they only have the th- they only have the six member they have the six members now rather than the uh, just the three members that they managed to win uh, last season. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily a big deal because of the way that they raised the stakes uh, with how they managed to pull off their victory because of how desperate the situation was because of you know it's like they like literally the. Uh, they could be kicked out of the race if the uh, if they get lapped, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's like they are racing against them b- themselves being lapped. Uh, and you know, I think all things considered, that's a pretty great way to convey in a racing series, like as a big hype moment. Essentially, it's like, yeah, you know, this is like this is the team. Like, you know, they're really coming into their own now. Like, yeah, they're a real force to be reckoned with. And it's like. You know, we did kind of need that reestablishment that, with especially with how down and out Sohoku has been portrayed this entire first half of the season, like, we did kind of need that moment to kind of bring themselves back up. Yeah. The the rest of the episode, though, is well, so, yeah. so immediately forgettable. <laughs> um, like, yeah, so they, they introduce uh, Komori on... Kyoto Fushima or, you know, Midosuji's team, right. who is just there to serve as the first fellow rider that Midosuji actually respects. Um, he seems to be an evil masseuse, and I guess every <laughs> every show needs one of those. And then you get some lines from Hakone's large, blue-haired rider, uh, Dobashi, who spends the entirety exclaiming loudly about their greatness and chewing on meat. Um, right. Because that's, you know, what you do when you're big and strong. Uh, you're loud <laughs> and you love love eating meat without utensils. Um, and so that was, that was pretty much nothing. Like, I didn't feel like any of that added much. I didn't think introducing them that way told us anything you couldn't have told us a little more subtly and in a later episode right but, that's been know. the problem with uh hokone this season like okay you know what for all of the qualms we have of midosuji coming back and being like basically being the villain again despite the yeah. fact that his character arc is over at the very least they're doing stuff with kyoto fushima to actually like make them seem like they are growing as a team he's actually a we're actually starting to get new get to know newer characters on this team with different abilities, you know, we get the sense that, okay, it's like, okay, as goofy as this whole evil masseuse thing is, at the very least, it's something that's new to their team. Right. All we have gotten about Hakone is just, oh yeah, no, we're super good. Yeah. Trust more, us. More of the same. More of the more same. of the same, basically. It's like, yes, we did have that two entire two-episode arc about their final ride, but if that was supposed to be, like, the moment where we're supposed to see, it's like, oh, no, Hakone is, like, the real threat, they kind of failed at that. Because, like, we really didn't gain anything from that ride either. Outside of, I guess, Izumita beat Shinkai once, and even though Shinkai was literally beaten every single race he was in last season. Like, yeah. you know, it it doesn't and, speak... And now we get Shinkai's little brother on the Hakone team, so <laughs> we immediately replace him with a similar character, with similar right. character traits. So no one ever leaves, and we can all just be happy with our stability. Um, but uh, speaking of happy, uh, <laughs> the finale of uh, All Out made me happy. So could you uh, tell me about that one, Matt? Okay, sure thing. Uh, okay, so 
basically, the first half ends. Jinko's up, basically up by 12 points. Uh... Essentially, they have their kind of uh, mid-game huddle, and uh, Rion Coach is like, okay, y'all realize that the issue here is that you're not taking Jinko seriously at all. Uh, finally, we get Matsuo, like, he finally cries out for the team to kind of, you know, finally come out and succeed. Uh, Mikado ends up scoring a try against Jinko, and then finally uh, we get... Uh, just so that they can finally uh, take down Jinko once and for all, we get Ryujin thrown onto the team and starts doing JoJo poses as he enters the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically, this in- it's a shame that the se- this is the last episode because this entire because this entire episode is there to build up Ryujin because his presence just completely destroys Jinko. Uh, because literally he just is able to barrel through every single player of the team without like any effort whatsoever. Uh, yeah, I think he scores like 40 points effectively by himself. Yeah, basically. I I think Mikado scores the one try and, but then every other try is like by Ryujin by himself. Well, he facilitates a few. He does. He does pass a couple times, but it's right. It's almost entirely due to his. The, the point is, Ryujin is like crazy powerful, and Jinko is nowhere near ready to take on like uh, to take them on yet. Right. Uh, at the very end of the game, even though all hope is lost, they kind of pick themselves back up, uh, and they still try and put uh, give it their all against Ryujin. And it, like, Sekizan tries to, like, stand up to Ryujin, and Ryujin, he manages to hold him back for just a moment, but Ryujin still knocks him away at the very end. Strangely enough, Ryujin is actually pretty impressed with Jinko. He actually mentions he likes the fact that they kept it, like, you know, they didn't actually give up, and he likes playing against teams like that. You mean teams that go all out? <laughs> I was Which getting to that. Which is what he said. <laughs> yeah, I know. That comes up a lot this episode. I ain't done. Yeah. Uh... And so at the very end, uh, towards the very end of, it's like the very end of the training camp, they all go up this, uh, they all go up this hill that's there, uh, and they all kind of reflect on their time, uh, together, and they all talk about how they all went all out together. And then for the last couple hours before they have to pack up and leave, they throw a few passes at one another, and then they sort of ride the bus into the sunset, hopefully again to return for another season. Yeah. Um, so, you said something that was very insightful. We did a simul watch of this one, and you said something that really stuck with me. Is that, this series kind of ended, like, we had the exact opposite reaction to the ending of this than we did to the ending of Days. Which was, like, Days was just full of, like, relief that it was finally over, only to find that you know with the horrifying discovery that it was returning for another day this one kind of ends yeah (laughs) this one just sort of ends with the sort of weird like it ends almost as if though it it's it was expecting to get a second season Mm -hmm. but it can't assure us of that yeah right exactly like they can't just come out right they can't outright say like hey we're getting that second season guys because there was something that felt weirdly final about that about that drive away from the uh from the training camp Mm -hmm. and i don't like that (laughs) yeah i mean i think 
it, it's one of those things in all likelihood they don't know one way or the other right. um but they animated it in a way that they could feel comfortable with it if it had to be the last episode right then because i because okay. you know the entire moral of the story is like you put in the effort and you get the results essentially it's a simple story but it tells it well yeah. Uh, and, you know, and, you know, that's kind of what this ending felt like. You know, they're all kind of like, hey, you know what? We did everything we could, and, you know, it feels good that we did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I guess my problem with this ending is because they did such a great job building up Ryujin as being, like, this great final vi- villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because of how in... Like, I, I'm sorry, I just... I, you know me, I like JoJo. Uh, and I just, I love these poses he does as he comes out onto the field just to be, like, like, it it hardly even matters to him. Like, th- this is a, me- I'm sorry, I'm kind of stumbling over my words here. Classic. Uh, <laughs> he so, he is so confident in his own ability that he can just make the effort to just, like, try and look as cool as possible and succeed. <laughs> right. And, and and I don't want this character to go away, essentially. No, it's I kind agree. Of... I mean, he's, he's a really good villain. I like the fact that he has inhuman eyes. Where, you know, he has... <laughs> like, his, his eyes are fundamentally different from every other character. And it makes him look all the more intimidating. One, he's huge. Right. Two, he has black eyes. Like right. His eyeballs are black. Right. Um, and beyond that, he do- he's not actually like a cackling evil person. Like part right. of what makes him seem so undefeatable is that he's calm and he likes shaved ice. Um, so he's <laughs> sort of like casually undefeatable. You know, it's, right. it's not, I, I think there, there's something when you see a villain character who is maniacal and self-assured and you know like completely arrogant i mean um, right where you're like oh okay so the show is setting them to fall because you can't you can't be maniacal and win um he's a villain who's designed like a villain but acts like a side character uh so he sort of casually and without putting too much thought into it dominates and crushes all the efforts of anyone who stands in front of him right um so that makes it it's it it makes you wonder whether he's actually defeatable you know this series could legitimately have him be undefeatable and it wouldn't fail because he doesn't need to lose the way he's designed right and what's interesting about that is that he himself is actually, like, again, like, his design sort of suggests that he is going to be evil, you know? Like, he mm-hmm. does have this malice in him. But, you know, he approaches uh, Jinko at the very end. He's like, hey, great job, guys. Like, right. like I, I liked playing you guys. Like, that was fun. You guys actually tried, you actually tried to go up against me. And, like, I hate playing teams that don't actually give it a shot. Like, I, I respect that. And it's like, dude, like, you are way too... You are way too affable, I think is mm-hmm. the right word for it. Like, everything about your character suggests that you should not 
be this decent of a person. Well, yeah, so the best parallel I can think of is Ushijima from Haikyuu. Right. Um, who, because he was designed in a similar way, where, yes, he's physically overwhelming, right. but he's not maniacal, he's not outwardly evil, he's not an unkind person, uh, he's just... You know, he has a good sense of self, and he's uh, he, he crushes everyone who stands in front of him. Right. Um, you didn't, a- we didn't actually know whether Shira Torizawa would win or not because he wasn't a character that needed to lose by nature of his design, right? Um, so, and that's one of the things that made the show work for us, and I think that works here too, right? It kind um, of in a complete opposite way because in Q. They were kind of... Because that's a much more natural... Like, a lot of characters in that are a lot more naturally designed. They actually look like real people. Yeah. Uh, whereas All Out kind of uses its own stylization to its credit. Like, it's constantly undermining uh, its own... Like, the sort of narrative it was... Like, it seems like it's going for there. Because, mm-hmm. like, a lot of the characters are very, like, stylistically designed. They wouldn't look... Uh, like, they wouldn't look unnatural in something like Kuroko's Basketball, which is incredibly over the top... Yeah. And we're going to get to that one of these days. We'll go into that more in the preview episode. But uh, we are going... But uh, but everything... But it's like everything about like how the sport is portrayed and how these characters are portrayed is very down-to-earth. Uh, and it kind of uses that to kind of play with your expectations a lot. Yeah, I agree. Um, so one of the other plot points that was relevant in the last few episodes that they addressed here... Uh, was the character of Matsuo. Right. So, what, what did you think about how they wrapped Matsuo's storyline? <sighs> See, the funny thing is, I almost can't say that, because it kind of feels like they didn't really... Yeah, it, I, I was setting you up for that. They didn't. <laughs> um, the only consolation you got was that, despite all of his passivity earlier, Matsuo cheered for Sekizan and expressed outward enthusiasm... And then didn't say anything about it. Uh, but then at the end of the show, it showed that he was happy to be there. But yeah. you still don't have any reason to understand exactly what his conflict is. So, I mean, that's that would be one of the things that would frustrate me if it ended. Because it's clearly a story that is going to be addressed at the beginning of the next manga volume. You know, that's why <laughs> right. it, that, that's why it was written I, in that way. You know, I wouldn't even be shocked if, be, because they had to kind of cut it short due to the interest of time, it wouldn't shock me if in the manga we had more of an internal, uh, like, monologue from Matsuo at that yeah. point, or we get or more factually. Yeah. yeah, just before he finally breaks out into that cheer. Right. Uh, but because, you know, in the interest of time, you know, they kind of got to wrap things up, they just kind of have to show, oh, he cheers, there we go, uh, Matsuo did it. Yeah, but overall, it was a good episode. I It was animated better than uh, episode 24, which right. is good considering uh, how much they had to accomplish. And <laughs> yeah, I thought it, I thought it worked. Um, something that worked slightly less well was ep- episode 25 of Tiger Mask. Right. Um, so the, the premise is that they're taking a break between the end of the free-for-all war game match and uh, the beginning of the heavyweight championship between Tiger the Dark and the Third. Um, the uh, right right before the match, Tiger Tiger the Dark is informed uh, by Karuma, the 
wrestling reporter that her contacts have let her know that Yellow Devil, the one that uh, injured Takuma's father, uh, has not been seen since that match, uh, but there's reason to believe that he is the third. Uh, and Takuma says, very well. Um, <laughs> and, and separately, Fukuwara, Fukuwara Mask tells uh, Tiger Mask that he believes that Yellow De- that uh, the third is Yellow Devil. Because Fukuwara Mask says, you know... Back in the day, I used to fight the old Yellow Devil, and the third has the same fighting style, so I know him. Um, and just like that, everyone knows who the original Yellow Devil was. Um, Fukuwara Mask ends up getting called in to commentate on the match, um, and realizes that the, the third had said nothing about him specifically. The third reveals um, to Takuma before the match that he will tell him whether or not he was the old Yellow Devil uh, during the match, and then they bet that whoever loses has to get their mask removed. Um, So they're betting their wrestling identity on it. Um, And then shortly into the match, the third says, you're stronger than you were three years ago to Takuma, (laughs) uh, and just tells him that he was Yellow Devil. So there's that. Um, <laughs> Tiger of the Dark ends up turning the tables on him and he has the chance to pin Yellow Devil but he chooses not to because of how much suffering he inflicted so instead of pinning him he just beats him up for a while uh, of course the third turns that around on him and ends up uh, managing to pin and defeat Tiger of the Dark knocking him out and then removing his mask so that uh, Tiger Mask realizes that Tiger the Dark was Takuma all along. They briefly reconnect. Tiger Mask reveals that he's Naoto. Uh, and then Kevin punches Tiger Mask and Tiger Mask runs away. And the, the final revelation is that the third, not surprisingly at all, says that he's the grandson of Tiger the Great, meaning his real name is Tiger the Great the Third. Which is what we've been calling him for like eight episodes now, based on the assumption that that's what the third meant. (laughs) Yeah, so this episode was a real letdown. Um, There was a lot that was of interesting ways they could have played it based off last week. Um, Again, we had our pet theory was about Fukuwara Mask being Yellow Devil. And they quickly just poo-pooed that because you couldn't have a good character be evil or have been evil. So the only way for it to work is to have the evil character, the third, always have been evil. Well, it's funny that you say that, too, because, like, it's not like they haven't done that before because literally Naoto's trainer was the former Yellow Devil. Well, right. Yeah, you're right. But But I see what you're saying, though, is that that's kind of the direction that they're going now, like... He's allowed to do it, but basically no other character is allowed to do it because Fukuwara Mask is the goofy guy, so we can't give him any other decent backstory. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, like, literally this entire episode played out in the absolute least interesting way possible. Like, the fact that Tiger the Great the Third is the was the Yellow Devil that took down uh, their mentor is 
incredibly uninteresting, and it's like the only it's like they kept having opportunities though to make it interesting mm-hmm. because again they could have had because the, they had this whole thing with Takuma where you know he kind of you know he was starting to turn into the original yellow the yellow devil that so wronged him because you know he was giving up the opportunity at the end of the match just so he could torture yellow devil mm-hmm. you know you could still set up an interesting arc there with Naoto having to be the one to bring down bring him down then because you know now he has to bring Takuma back to back down to earth you know that's his new goal yeah. As Tiger Mask. No, no, uh, no. It's the reason why he loses. He was just being stupid. Uh, well, yeah, did... and what what gets me is that Takuma decides his revenge is so important that he just wants to keep kicking the third. Um, right. But at the end of the day, Naoto basically expresses like, oh, we should team up. We're friends. And there's no criticism for the fact... <laughs> you know, no one... No one cri- notices or acknowledges that Takuma threw away his chance to win because he was so focused on revenge. They just said, well, I guess we're in it together to take down this, the third guy, uh, because he's yellow devil. So we found him. So let's fight him. And that's, yeah. that's about as complex as it gets. Right. And what really drives me nuts about that is because Kevin really let me down this episode. I gotta say, because, mm-hmm. because as uh, tiger mask is trying to talk to Takuma, Kevin butts in. It's like, it's your fault he lost. Like, because you weakened him so much before the match that he couldn't take on Yellow Devil. No! He blatantly could have, like, he blatantly gave up his own shot to beat Yellow Devil. Yeah, he said it out loud that he was choosing not to pin him. Right. Like, exactly. Like, he could have easily ended the match, but he didn't. Like, you, I understand what they're going for. Because now they have to give Tiger Mask this great guilt about what he's doing in the ring. But it doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. for, like, what they actually established in the episode. Right. And that's what drives me nuts about it. Uh, it also kind of drives me a little bit nuts that even that we still have to kind of pretend that Rory has to not know who Tiger Mask is. Yeah, we were hoping that finally, okay, he's getting taken to the emergency room. They'll take his mask off. No, she's not there, and he just wakes up and chats with Fukuwara Mask, so I guess it wasn't that bad. Yeah, it wasn't that Despite the fact that his face was beaten in? Yeah. Like, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. No, no no real manifestations of any injuries. Uh, it was just dramatic. So, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 was, I was frustrated because there's no complexity left. Like, all right. the questions are answered, basically, ex- except for who Fukuwara Mask used to be, but I can't imagine that'll be that interesting now. Um, all the questions are answered, the path is laid out, and there's there's they had an opportunity for mystery and some complexity, and they chose to ignore it. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, it's funny, too, because we were talking, it's like, man... The plot we came up was with was way better. And I know people say that all the time. It's like, oh, I could have written that better. But it's like, man, this is just not interesting at all. Yeah. Who are you hooking with this plot? You know, that that's what gets me is like, who's going to be into this plot that wouldn't have been with a little more com- complexity, a little more nuance. Uh, right. A little more something, something. Um, but no, the evil guy is exceptionally evil and we have to beat him because he's evil. Uh, yeah. never, never mind the fact that the good guys seem pretty evil too. 
that doesn't matter. They're the good guys. So uh, their revenge is just, and let's not question it. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be real rough going forward. Yeah. Oh, hey. Especially because... On the, up- on the upside, we're two-thirds of the way through Tiger Mask. So that is true. Gotta, gotta be grateful for what you got. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, but I think that wraps it up pretty well this week. That wraps it up for me, too. Would you do me a favor and hit the credits for me? I would love to. Our logo design is by James Ratcliffe. The theme music is Fly High by Burnout Syndromes, covered and performed by Luke Bartka. You can follow Koshiencast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and our email is koshiencast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll be back next week with the best and worst from the world of sports anime, and until then, keep training. Keep training.